Good morning, and I'm super stoked to welcome back on the program the one and the only Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, it's great to speak to you today. How how are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing today, Noreen? I'm feeling a bit tired, actually, but I do feel good. But, you know, it's just like that midweek lull, so I'm really happy to have you on the program to, you know, to bring up the energy again. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tall order, actually. (laughs) But I'll try and rise to the occasion. Thank Um, you so much. What what have you chosen for our listeners today? um, I wanted to talk about agony aunts. So when I say agony aunts, what do you think of? What's your understanding of an agony aunt? So I think of somebody uh, in a newspaper and then somebody writing to, to, to agony aunt like ask Audrey or something. Or ask, yes, 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 exactly. So the reason I was thinking about this was that recently I found, um, me and my husband have found that kind of like, you know when Google algorithms throw you different articles to read? Oh, yeah. And it will be, um, and there'll be different like uh, things that have happened recently where people ask on Reddit, and I'm going to make the language suitable for a, Wednesday morning <laughs> brunch program, but they basically like ask, "Am I the jerk in the situation?" Right? Oh yes. Have you read these before? I have seen them yes. before. Yes, yes, yes. And so, like, basically, people ask on the internet, like they'll tell a problem or like something that's happened between them and their spouse or a family member or a friend or their boss. And they basically ask the internet, am I the jerk in the situation? And then the internet replies. And it's really interesting because I was like, this is so fascinating. And me and my husband have both been like, he's like, wow, like some people, my gosh. Like, I mean, sometimes I find him quite sheltered when he like comes out <laughs> and like, he's a very, he's very wholesome. He's like, gosh, some people have some really awful, horrible marriages and horrible problems. I'm like, yes, love, they do. (laughs) Bless his heart. I love the strategy. We'll read about other people's problems. And then, you know, mine (laughs) will seem so bad. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. My goodness. But, you know, your your mother-in-law wore white to your wedding. That sounds awful. (laughs) You know, like that kind of thing. But it made me think a little bit because it is basically the agony aunt format right but completely democratized like thrown way open because once upon a time people would write to one agony aunt in like a newspaper or magazine and she would offer you advice and now it's like it's evolved to the point where you ask the entire internet their opinion on you or your situation which is quite like sociologically fascinating it is but it's I was kind of like of, a jury kind of system yes, you know? yeah. yes and like it's interesting to see the majority of the time if you read these things most people seem to come to some sort of consensus like most people would say yes you are the jerk or no you're not the jerk the other person is the jerk in the situation like you know it's quite interesting that um in that kind of the way that the advice or the the feedback is given but it made me think a little bit about agony aunts and i wanted to know like how agony aunts kind of started um in newspaper columns because of course like um like i don't know if you grew up reading like um teen magazines as well or like on the odd occasion I mean, we don't oh, really get yes. them in hong kong but yeah. like if you i don't know you had one sneak through and you could read a teen magazine <laughs> but they you know they'd often have agony aunt columns for like teenagers and things like that and or in newspapers or your mum's magazines like i know well no my mum didn't read a lot of like women's magazines in massive quotation marks but you know there's always like if you're at the hairdresser or the dentist you'd see like these kind of agony aunt columns in magazines right and i just kind of wanted to know like what was it that how did they start like what was the what was the history of these sorts of these things of people 
kind of asking for asking for advice um, from a stranger. <laughs> Anon- I think because anonymously, and uh, they make for really good reads as well. I personally like them. It's my sort of secret guilty pleasure sometimes. Yes. <laughs> totally. But it's also, it's interesting because um, what I was reading about them as well is like, it's a kind of, it's, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would you write, like, if you had a pretty pressing issue that you were struggling with, like, I think I need to leave my wife or I want to cut my brother out our parents will or whatever other questions that people tend to ask like an agony aunt that it's not the most timely medium to do so to like a newspaper or a magazine because of printing deadlines like they take ages you know what I mean like by the time that they've sorted the questions chosen the question written a response to the question published the answer it's probably going to be a while you know (laughs) you're not getting a really quick response to your question which is why it's kind of really interesting because it's like it's not it might not actually be about the question it's more about kind of people's voyeurism and desire to be empathized with and everything else which i think is really really fascinating um because I think, like as you said, like other people's problems can be tend to be endlessly fascinating. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I wanted to know how it started to be that people would start uh, started writing into uh, newspapers um, and stuff like that. But <clears throat> it's not known exactly when people did. I'm sure, like in like my audio columns, we could go back to ancient Egypt and see if Cleopatra wrote a little local guy. Can you just write? Like, is you know Julius gonna? you know, start stepping up to our relationship, maybe, who knows, I doubt that (laughs) happened. Um, But um, what we see is the earliest officially accepted advice column was um, published in a paper called the Athenian Mercury, founded in London in 1690 by John Dunton. Now, this is a really interesting story. He was having an extramarital affair and needed to source help anonymously so he set up his own publication. <laughs> such a man thing to do, right? So, um, so the, the Athenian Mercury, this paper, incorporated these like really big um, questions uh, into this kind of like uh, advice column, like things like how can a man know when he's a dreaming or when he's really awake, like pretty philosophical stuff, along um, like questions, you know. Oh, like they had a section about, you know, questions from women or questions from the fairer sex, which is like, oh, look, we'll just let the women ask a question. You know, <laughs> so it's kind of ridiculous. And then um, that actually spurred a apparently um, a spin-off. So then there was the uh, there was the Athenian Mercury. Then there was the Ladies Mercury, which is all these questions about love and marriage and behavior and dress and things like that for, as they said, virgins, wives or widows. Right. So then they had this spin-off for women and women's questions. Um, so it's quite interesting. So they basically had this, um, they had this advice column um, and they made it seem like it was all this, this group of like quite interesting, noteworthy people who were like the Athenian Mercury, they called them the Athenians, who were like this group of like kind of think tank of people who'd be answering your questions. But it was basically this guy, John Dunton, and like his brother-in-law, and then someone who may or may not have been a doctor, like just like a bunch of dudes in a back room. (laughs) um, Making up answers. Yeah, making up answers, exactly. Um, But then it was interesting. So this kind of happened. And after that, there were legions of kind of similar columns that followed down the years and the centuries, because this was 1690. 
Um, and so there was all these people um, who were probably like quite clever or, you know, incredibly underqualified, who knows, um, giving anonymous advice. And lots of different people did this. So even in um, 1778, Benjamin Franklin had like an advice column where he said, like, keep your eyes open before marriage, half shut afterwards, (laughs) (laughs) which is quite funny. (laughs) And then um, eight decades later, um, there was Punch magazine, which had this line that said advice to people about marriage, um, advice to persons about to marry. Don't. (laughs) So, like, it's quite, like, it's quite funny, the kind of, like, spectrum of um, the way that people talk about it. In the 19th century, this was a really, like, prime time for agony aunts, agony uncles, all kind of dispensers of wisdom. Um, And they kind of, like, they found that this was a time where people really, like, waxed lyrical about, like, advising people on their problems. So William Alcott wrote in 1836, no cold calculations of profit or loss should ever for one moment, even in thought, be substituted for love. Like, that's a pretty beautiful piece of, like, advice, advice. right? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So there's, like, this real, like, sweet-natured romantic thing that comes through. But there's also this sense of, like, people being quite, like, trying to find a way to ask their most intimate questions about the most intimate parts of their lives, mm. if I'm trying to be polite for morning radio, yes. right? So, um, again, it's, like, this thing of people sort of saying, like, you know, maybe talking um, about yes, uh, you know, relationships within their own marriage, or you know, exactly, sex or, exactly, yes. exactly. And then, um, so they're kind of like you know, uh, people would be writing in about this. And can you imagine for like a society that would probably have been still a little bit tight-lipped about a lot of those things that if you had an advice column with someone writing in about something like that, even if it wasn't even a real piece of real query from somebody everyone would have been fascinated it would have been so interesting because nobody would talk to i mean people don't really talk to their friends about it even so they they get to read about other people's stuff absolutely and so like and so it's actually really interesting that if you if you go back into some of these advice columns from like the turn of the century in the 19th century um some of them were like pretty pretty explicit actually in terms of the advice they would give in terms of like the way that they talk about things you'd be like my goodness no one would ever have these conversations in person and yet people are having them um you know on through these sorts of different sort of tabloid publications for um want of a different want of a different term um but it's so interesting like what will it be that like people often say like well what what is it that would make you probably write to an advice columnist like who is who are the people that would write to an advice columnist and i guess it's people who are kind of desperate to have somebody kind of hear from them but you don't have a lot of pressure because you're kind of you're anonymous and the person replying for the most part is also anonymous um you know is it like a quandary of the heart is it um uh, an issue with wedding invitation etiquette um you know, there's like lots of different things people would kind of write into but mm. what's really interesting when you look back through this agony aunt kind of history of these different characters who emerged and they really shaped history as well like i was reading about these twins two um two women who were twins and they were agony aunts and they had pen names and some of the things they'd advise upon like um you know they were writing for decades but 
you know, some of the things that advised upon, they were quite um, prudish and conservative and kind of squashed women's sense of self. So like advising someone whose husband had given them two black eyes that, you know, there's no reason that two people can't work it out if you really try. Like that's oh, terrible that's advice. terrible advice. It's yeah. terrible advice. But I mean, at the same time, like it's just interesting to see how that changed. And then within the decades that they were writing as agony aunts, they then had um, like the kind of... Uh, you know, the, not the rise of, but the prominence of the LGBTQ movement and then being able to sort of like come out in support of people who are gay and say there's nothing wrong with this, you know, and within a column, within an advice column that has a real kind of like ripple effect on society mm. because people yes. are listening and they're emphasizing. Do you know what I mean? So it's really interesting to see how the advice had changed from like keeping women in their place to being also quite um, quite uh, revolutionary in a way, quietly revolutionary in these little advice columns. Uh, um, but, yeah, sorry, sorry go, go ahead. No, 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 go, go for it, Chris, sorry. No, I was just going to say, so it's it's really interesting in that way because um, the thing is that, like, with these sorts of different questions that people write in, um, if you look back through history, even if we were to read advice columns from, like, I mean, maybe in the 1700s, it'd be like, oh, you know, I'm not sure what, the best time to dig up my potatoes or whatever it was that people were asking. But I mean, in terms of like the, the issues between people, between work colleagues, between spouses, between siblings, between fat parents and children, like the problems are in a way kind of the same now and forever, right? It's the same kind of dilemmas and misunderstandings, you know, is my Those boss themes really are universal, yes. Yeah, the themes are kind of universal. The, the the flavor might be different, like, you know, like now, like, oh, I have a COVID crush and I don't know what to do about it. Like, obviously, that's very timely or those sorts of things. But, you know, somebody like, I married a frog. I thought he was a prince, that kind of idea. But it's really interesting, like, you know, um, the problem, you know, the problem of all problems is why am I doing what I'm doing when it's so obviously bad for me? Um, and really interestingly, there was um, a writer I was reading who quoted St. Paul, um, who put this in a letter to the Romans. He said, um, for what I would that I do not, that do I not, but what I hate that do I. So it's like, um, like I'm not you, doing. Yes, yeah. Going, yeah, doing what you're not supposed to do, but still doing it. Exactly. And so it's kind of it's kind of an interesting concept, this concept of like an agony aunt. And I always find it interesting because you'd be surprised where you find an agony aunt column. You'll read like a completely cerebral publication, which is like super fact based, hard hitting. New like, scientist. No, I'm just yes, <laughs> yes. And then you'll still have like, dear Prudence, ask Polly, you know, like. <laughs> in there because it's, I think it's just part of the kind of conversations we have as a society, right? Like we can take ourselves as seriously as we want to, but we all need a bit of advice every now and again, you know? That's true. Um, and most people like, will have an opinion on something and people often, if you ask somebody, any random person for, for advice, they will probably give you some, some of their thoughts. Of course. And people love to give advice, right? Like, it's actually a way of manipulating people. Like, can you help me? I need your advice. People are like, yes, sure. Let me just fit my head through the door. (laughs) 
Um, I was going to say, it, on Facebook, we often get like mum groups. Uh, I mean, Hong, uh, on Facebook, there's Hong Kong mums very famous for, mm. for, for people giving advice. And there's certain topics that you, you know, well, nowadays you can, you can ask anonymously, but people love to give advice there as well. And there's so many other, you know, parent groups as well that people often say sleep, for example, you know, my child is not sleeping through the night. What should we do? And some people will give you like timetables to follow, but others will just sort of say, well, no, they're just a baby. They don't need to sleep through the night. And it's quite interesting to see that debate between parents when yes. advice columns uh, sort of get out of hand. Um. <laughs> totally. And I think that's the thing that's kind of beautiful about the Agony Aunt format is that you have one reply. Do you know what I mean? And you can take it or leave it, but it kind of like cuts through something, you know? So it's like, um, what's interesting is firstly, when you read those sort of things, you realize like, everyone has problems, right? I think one of the wisest things my dad ever told me was like, if everyone in the world threw all of their problems into a big pile and you could choose from anybody else's, you would instantly snatch back your own, yes, right? And yes. I'm like, that's brilliant advice. That's the advice that could be an advice column, actually. Yes, yes. I'm going to pitch this to him. He could be an agony uncle. He could but, be. <laughs> but the point is, it's really interesting. We, we find people's problems really fascinating. And what's interesting about an agony aren't columns specifically, as you said, because like now the format is so huge, right? It's everyone on the internet can have an opinion on your situation or your question. But with an agony aunt column, it was, you know, you had this, you had these questions, you know, like whatever the question was, what whatever the problem was. And then underneath it, in a different tone of voice, in a different font, the problem was solved. The advice was given. There was a setup, a punchline, kind of a release of tension. You know, it's kind of like kind of a pure sort of thrill where you have this sort of anonymous narrator who probably has their own flaws, obviously, but they just sound so confident. They would just kind of straighten you out and just say, this is exactly what this is what I think you should do or this is what I think you shouldn't do. Or even say, you know, you're right. Your sister is right. Your behavior was terrible in the situation. You know, like <laughs> it's one it's one voice, which I just find really interesting. Um, and of course, like, you know, people are really um, people. We do have a sense of voyeurism. We do lurk in these sort of problem pages of kind of like, you know, comparing it to ourselves even if it's something so foreign from ourselves we'd just be like well at least it diminishes my own problem exactly and you just sort of take your own problems back and it's true i i do like uh, that format as well although it's quite nice sometimes just to have a few sort of um it also depends on the personality of the people giving um the advice because some totally. some write really really well but others are just out to judge you so that's when you think oh that's no good and i've just put my problem out there um. Completely. And interestingly, like when you talk about the qualifications for a successful advice columnist, so rather than just like an average Joe member of the public weighing in on your situation, they, they do say the most important qualifications for a successful advice columnist was stamina and the emotional resilience to avoid being overwhelmed by the suffering of others. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which yeah. sounds quite... Um, quite intense to be honest um i don't know if everyone would if you have thousands and thousands of people writing to that but at the same time there's a very therapeutic act of framing the dilemma sharing the problem and it keeps the advice seekers writing in and it keeps people reading because it's that kind of again it's like the same reason we do all scroll on facebook looking at people who have asked for advice and then watching their subsequent fallout of people having a 
huge debate about it, even though it has nothing to do with them personally. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating in a way. Um, so, yeah, I find it really interesting. I have a couple of quotes we can end on. Yes, sure. Um, uh, one was from um, Miss Manners. This is an agony aunt yes. who said, an eagerness to promote short-term grievances into long-term grudges is detrimental to family harmony. That's very good advice. That's good advice. That's good advice. And then the um, the magician, Darren Brown. Do you remember who he is? Yes, yeah. I love yeah. him. The illusionist the, guy. The illusionist, yeah. He said, which is just really interesting, whenever we offer advice, we're advising our own former selves. Oh. And I thought that was very true. And I think that's something to remember. Like, I often find that when people talk to me and I'm ready to offer advice, I'm like, hold on a second. Am I really listening to this person or am I just seeing a little bit of somebody I used to be, yeah, yeah, and just warning them, (laughs) like, (laughs) not to make the mistake I made. Exactly. Oh, well, Cruz, thank you so much for sharing such a riveting audio column with us today. Agony Aunt, I really like that. Thank you so much, and I look forward to chatting with you next time. Cheers, Cruzy. See you. Bye for now.